Well, good morning again, church. We've been considering this word in over the last couple of weeks. We want to complete this brief series this morning. This preposition in, which means to be surrounded by. We use it in a variety of ways. You ever been in love? Surrounded by? You ever been in trouble? Huh? <laughs> you ever been in debt? <laughs> you ever been in charge? No, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> when you use this word in, it's, you're immersed, you're enveloped, surrounded. And we've been looking at this phrase in the Bible, in Christ, to be surrounded by Christ, to be enveloped by Christ, to be captured by Christ, in Christ. It's one of the most essential phrases in the New Testament, and it really reflects this critical understanding of what it even means to be a Christian. A couple of weeks ago, we saw that it meant to be in salvation, to be caught up in the saving work of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. In salvation, that's, a, that's both something you enter into and then walk in. In your salvation. Last week I started in on in the body of Christ. That to be in Christ means to be in the body of Christ. Means to be enveloped by, surrounded by the body of Christ. Lord willing, we'll complete that teaching today. Father, we invite your presence to come. There's not a person here who came for me. Thank you for that. We came for you, Lord. Our hearts do not yearn for the wisdom of men. Our hearts yearn for encounter with you. And so, Lord, in the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll come and you'll, you'll connect in that wonderful way that you do with every man, every woman, every young person in this room right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, last week we read verses 12 through 30. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read the whole thing for you again at all. I'm just going to pretend that we're continuing from last week since I never didn't really get finished. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is, was written by Paul to the Christians who lived in the city of Corinth, which was a, a, a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty kind of diverse and in some ways volatile kind of situation uh, into which he wrote. And uh, in this particular passage, he's saying, now, now keep in mind that although you're all so different from each other, you're all a part of the one body of Christ. There's only one body, there's only one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one church, there's only one. But he said that in the midst of the one, there's diversity of people, diversity of gifting. And so as he's talking about this, he's saying that everybody has an equally val valuable part of the body of Christ. And uh, in verse 27 is where I really want you to put your, your attention, uh, where he says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We started by talking last week about what is the body of Christ. What do we even mean by that? Well, it's the church, capital C, not the church, little c, correct? That there's a church, this is a church, but it's not the church. We're not all there is. In fact, we're just a very small part of all of the body of Christ in the world today. There are many expressions of these same 
core beliefs, and we realize this can be a little bit confusing, confusing, but at the center of our core beliefs as Christians that we believe that our one God, one God, not three gods, that our one God is eternally, has forever been and forever will be, eternally Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is a core belief of what it means to be a Christian. And second, that salvation is attained only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, that there's no other way to be saved. We can't get our act together enough to present ourselves to a holy God, but we, we, we have to depend on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, these two realities are what really, really define what it means to be a Christian. And then from those realities, you can, you can see a diverse expression, go ahead with the next slide, a diverse expression of what it means to be the church. And one looks like this, and another looks like that, but in, the, in reality, we meet in the middle, correct? And so here you are at the vineyard. You can pick whichever one of those slices of the pie you want to identify us as. Um, but we meet, we have our way. We have our way, and it's our way. It's the way that God has just raised up here in culture, in people, in style, in personalities, in everything that God has done. It's a unique expression of a common belief. And so when we look at the church down the road, if it has the common belief, it will be its own unique expression. So we have diversity of expression that range from very formal expressions like the Roman Catholic Church or the Greek Orthodox Church, Eastern Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, all the Episcopalian, Anglican Church are very formal. In some respects, the Lutheran Church, it kind of gets less formal as you move, as you move around maybe. But, but then you have the, the, the very informal expressions of the church that could be meeting in a home somewhere right now, perhaps underground in China. They're, they're in some home hoping that no one hears them sing for fear of their lives, right? But, they're, but, but how, do we, how, do we join, how do we join with them in that center circle that we believe that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? We believe that we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. I love this. I love this concept of the church. Last week we also looked at how with such a clear definition, it's inclusive of so many, but it also, it also gives us a way to exclude some who would say that they're Christian but do not share those two core beliefs. And we talked in particular about Mormonism, we talked about Jehovah's Witness, that they do not share a belief in the Trinity. And so so by definition, then, they would be excluded from an understanding of what is Christian. And it might kind of strike you the wrong way to just to feel that. Go, why are you being so judgmental? I don't think it's the least bit judgmental. Being a Christian means something, right? It means something. And a person is or they're not. And I'm not judging anybody by saying you can't be a Christian. I'm saying that by this definition you are saying that you're not a Christian, correct? Right. right. And so, and I'm not saying that everybody who is a Christian needs to look like this place. Oh, for heaven's sake. Right? Come on. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not judging any of the other valid expressions of what it means to be a Christian. But what I'm saying is that being a Christian is something, and if a, if a group or a people can say, yes, we... we wholeheartedly agree with that center circle, then they are Christian. 
No matter what their particular expression culturally may be. That makes sense, correct? Okay, so we're not being judgmental. We're saying being a Christian is a thing. Okay, so if you go to McDonald's, you can get a hamburger, yes? If you go to Burger King, you can get a hamburger, right? It's a different hamburger, but it's a hamburger. If you go to Wendy's, what do you get? A hamburger? Square? Who makes square hamburgers? Right? But it's a hamburger, right? You know what you cannot get at Taco Bell? A hamburger, correct. Are we being judgmental by saying Taco Bell is not a burger joint? No, they're saying we're not a burger joint. We don't make burgers. <laughs> Hello? I don't judge anybody. I don't know what that was. I probably don't want to know. Let's focus on the positive side of this, on the many diverse expressions of the same core truth. That's really what the body of Christ is. So the question is, what does it mean to be in the body of Christ? I'm making a fuss about that. To be in Christ means to be in the body of Christ. Number one, it means to be saved. You've got to be saved to be in the body of Christ. You have to come to Christ. You have to have a personal uh, response to Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for you. That's up to each and every individual. Everybody has to have their moment with God. They say, I understand. I understand my need of Christ. I understand the distance between myself and holy God. I understand that I was a creature born into sin, into a condition of sin, and that the only remedy for sin is what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. And I come to him in repentance and faith, and I receive Christ into my life. And you're saved. Hallelujah saved, right? So now you're in the body of Christ. There's no other way in. It's an either-or situation. Second, it means to love and respect the whole body of Christ. To be in the body of Christ means to love the body of Christ, to love and respect the body of Christ. Now, as we talked last week, we don't understand necessarily why the other expressions that are different from ours, why necessarily they do what they do, but we love and respect that, right? And so there's unity. There's one body, many expressions, and to be in the body of Christ says, I, I love the body. I love the capital C church. I mean, I'm glad I'm here, but I love the body. I love the capital C church. Even if you don't understand. How many of you have some goofy family members? Anybody? Right? How many of you are a goofy family member, right? Exactly, right? But your family, correct? Your family. And so we love and respect one another as family, no matter how goofy. We are the body of Christ. Those people parked in different parking lots today who are just praising the Trinity, who are depending on Christ, they are our families. They are our family. And we love and respect them. That's what it means to be in the body of Christ. Third, I think it means to be committed to a local fellowship of the body of Christ. To be, to be committed to a local fellowship. So we have all these many expressions. And within the expressions are local fellowships. And so we're a part of the expression called the vineyard, a local fellowship of the vineyard. And I think one of the useful ways of thinking about this that I've heard, heard mentioned is that you have to find your tribe. You know? So you, how many of you have read the Old Testament at all? 
Six, six of you. Okay, uh, so, so in the Old Testament, there's this, this, these people called Israel, and they had 12 different tribes, right? And they were all different, each different one from the other, and they even had some specific kind of roles within the plan of God. And so you look around that, and you see that there were 12 tribes, and yet they were all, all Israel. They were all the people of God. And I think that's a useful way of thinking about uh, the church, is that many expressions, uh, and, and one of those tribes is going to work best for you, right? And some of you have been on a search in your life. and you, How many of you, when you came into the vineyard, something like this happened? You go, yeah, this is it. Anybody? I mean, that's what happened to me. I, didn't, I couldn't have said what I was looking for until I stumbled in uh, 27 years ago. And I said, yeah, yeah, th- this, 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 this will fit. Uh, and once, once you find that tribe, you got to make your commitment, beloved. You got you, you to put your arms down. You got to come in. You got to come in. You got to find your space. You got to find your role. And, um, uh, you know, and it's not something you do lightly. Karen and I, in our life together, have changed tribes just once, right? She was raised in a particular tribe, and I met her and was born again into that tribe, and we served in that tribe, and we loved that tribe, but it didn't quite fit me. And, um, and so in time, we had to make a decision to, f- to, to switch tribes, but it happened one time. I think there's considerable danger in running from place to place to place to place to place, correct? That's considerable danger in that kind of a lifestyle. That to be in Christ means you go, this will work. This will work. It'll never be perfect, correct? It'll never be perfect, but this will work. I think I said last week that it's kind of like going to Kohl's and trying on clothes, right? And you get a whole pile of clothes you take in there and you get in the dressing room and you go, no, 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 no. And you go, oh, I can make that work, right? Okay, I can work with that, right? You'll probably never find the, oh, boy, man, ooh, look at me. You know, that probably, not, that probably never really happens, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, I can work with that, <laughs> all right? And so that's kind of how it is with the church, is you come into a place and you go, I can work with this. I can work with this. I could, I could, I could be a part of this and then make the commitment. Being a part of the body of Christ means to make that commitment to relationship and uh, part of that local expression. Because you'll never really discover the fullness of your true purpose in isolation. promise you this. God has, God has arranged the church in such a way that we discover our purpose as we're a part of the body, not in isolation. Because he said, didn't we read it last week, each one of you has a part of it. You can't discover your purpose unless it's also in cooperation and participation with others who are in the same process. And so we figure out what our part of the body is. But until that, that commitment is made to the local expression, the local church, like, I'm in. I, I'm in. You know, sometimes I'll feel like being in. Sometimes I won't feel like being in. But I'm in. And that's what it means, part of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. And then fourth, I think uh, it also means to be in healthy personal relationships with other believers. To be in the body of Christ means to have your band of brothers, your band of sisters, however you else say that, your peeps, you know? Those people who are just day by day growing closer. 
They, they ha We've been over this a couple of years ago. I did a series on relationships like this. And remember, there are some relationships that are they're just covenant relationships. They're rock-solid kind of relationships of the spirit. And you can't have it with everybody in the room, but you can have it with some. And this is part of God's plan for us, is to be in these kind of relationships, to be able to identify people in, within the local fellowship where we say, yep, that's my subset, that's my group, that's my band, that's, those are my peeps. Those are the people that know me and are increasingly knowing me. Those are the people I trust and who can trust me. And, and this relationship just grows day by day by day. It's kind of a, your crew, if you will. And because I've said this before, I'll say it till the day I go home, there is no provision in the New Testament for being a Christian in isolation. Zero provision. There is no provision for saying, okay, yeah, it's just about you, you're good. No, it's not at all. You're saved into the bride. You're saved into the body. And so we're called to have these kind of relationships that are, in a lot of ways, just so peculiar to the church. Meaning you, you can have friends. Of course you can have friends outside. Of course. But there's something that happens when brothers and sisters come together in the company of the Holy Spirit, having made a, a true commitment to local fellowship where they go, I'm in. There's something that happens in support, in love, in esteem, in sacrifice, in forgiveness, in confession, all the stuff that goes into those relationships that you can't find anybody anywhere else. So to be in the body of Christ means to be in those relationships. Okay? The devil's plan for it is to isolate you. Is to, is to isolate you. We don't, we don't want to participate in that plan. But this can be hard, can't it? This can be hard to get into these relationships. Because people are weird, right? And you get into relationships and they act all weird. You're not weird, right? Because you're the standard by which you measure weirdness. And... <laughs> but people are weird. It, it, this, this never, you, know, you just need to know this never goes perfectly. This never goes perfectly. Because we're, we're still in process, right? This close relationship never goes perfectly. But it's still worth the risk. It's still worth it. And I want to talk to you now about how to, how to come into, how do I get into healthy fellowships? I have six things I want you to think about doing. How do I get, in, how do I get into those healthy fellowship relationships? What do you think my first counsel is going to be? Pray, right. LaRue, you may go. <laughs> Nicely done. Just pray. Just if you're, if you're sensing this, you know, some of you are right now going, yeah, he's right. Uh, you know, and, and just pray. Just ask God. You just say, Lord, I, 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 Maybe you don't even have a great history of friendships, perhaps. That's, that's, that's all right. Um, I don't. I'm not, I'm not nearly this interesting in person, by the way, you know? I, I, and so uh, I just depend on God to do what he does when I'm up here, and then I'm just sort of, blah, you know, out there. I don't have people lining up going, you want to do something, you know? So I depend on God. I'm so serious, right? I have a short list of friends, and I don't even like them that much, okay? <laughs> this is hard. So, so we got to pray. <laughs> we just got to say, Lord, I, I see the value of this. You know, hearing this preached, hearing this taught, sensing that from the word, and maybe you identify yourself as a person who resists that. Isolation. Maybe you've, 
Maybe you've justified it. Maybe you have a whole list of reasons why what I'm saying isn't for you. But just pray. Just You ask God. I'll tell you what. You ask God, and if he says you're right, then go with it, all right? But you ask God about this. First, number one, pray. Uh, number two, engage in small group life. Engage in small group life. We have a bunch of small groups in the church here. Look, they are so, they are so common. They're so wonderfully common. You know, maybe you have this view of a small group, like, oh, everybody in there is going to know all the Bible, and they're going to say to turn to second opinions, and you're not going to know where that is, and all this stuff. And, and you know, all this stuff's going to be happening. You have this sort of anxiety about not going, right? Right? I know. I remember it. It's, it's not true, is it? Home group leaders stand up. Small group leaders of any type. Would you stand up? Would you just look at these people? Have you ever seen any more ordinary people in your whole life right here than these people right here? Hello? Right? Are they welcome to come and visit? Yeah? Yes or no? See? Okay? See? Okay. Sit down. Good. You know, it's, it's just where you do life together. And how do, you, how do you decide? If you turn right out of the sanctuary doors and see there's a board up there with all kinds of tickets on it that'll tell you when and where it meets and stuff like that, contact, try several of them because somewhere in this mix of groups is your brand of weird. All right? I promise you. You might not be the first one, might not be the second one, but you go, I can make this work. But you need that small group life. Go through discipleship training. We have... A series of classes here called Discipleship Training. It starts with, it literally starts with, this is a Bible. It has an Old Testament and a New Testament. It starts with, you don't know anything. Even if you know something. It's helpful to hear it again, isn't it? Right? Some of you guys, I just completed, a, we're, we're just this Thursday, we're completing a 400. And so I've been with this particular group since October. John and Jamie and you guys, you're all, all through this group. It's been just phenomenal to walk through this group and to see the way these people have grown together in relationship. So it's not just about getting your own gear on with Jesus, but it's about having relationship. And it's really been a remarkable, remarkable journey. I'll be, starting, I'll be starting that again in the fall. And so think about being a part of that. I'm planning anyway. Uh, number four, participate in recurring ministry involvement. So we have certain ministry, ministries, quite a few actually, that are just open doors. I think a great example is the monthly grocery giveaway. We get together on a Saturday morning once a month, and we pack up a bunch of groceries, and we go to someplace that's poor, and we give away groceries in Jesus' name. It's so easy and so fun. It's so crazy. And that's something that you could just... You could just come in. You're not even really making a huge commitment. You're just showing up. What happens is when, when you participate in the same ministry, even, even if it were only once a month, you begin to develop relationships, don't you? And I've seen that happen. And so look for those things in our, in our, on our program here that are recurring ministry events, and you can just plug in and you can meet people. Number uh, five, sign up for Vineyard 101. Come Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, it's two hours. You won't be disappointed. It's this entertaining, okay? I'm, I'm this guy, not the regular guy in Vineyard 101, okay? And you'll like it, and you'll, you'll just see more, you'll understand more the nature of the, this place, and you'll understand more, and you'll see where the on-ramps are for you, for relationships, for ministry. Are we going to pressure you? Of course not. I, we just don't roll that way here. But you've got to know what's available, 
if you want if you're going to take advantage of it, right? So even if you didn't sign up, uh, just come on Tuesday night at seven o'clock. My staff loves it when I say stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> Number six, stick out your hand. No, I mean like hi. <laughs> hi. Hi, I'm Tom. Hi, I'm Angela. Angela, yeah. it's a pleasure to meet you. I have a relationship. <laughs> you see how easy this is? Hi, I'm Tom. Hi, I'm Neil. Hi, Neil. Hi, Lily. I don't know you already. We already have a relationship. <laughs> because I stuck out my hand. Why don't you try that? Go ahead. I dare you. Not somebody you know, for crying out loud. <laughs> I dare you. There you go. Did anybody die doing that? It was hard, but you didn't, you didn't quite die, did you, right? You survived it, right? You see, here's the thing. Those of you who are nervous about this, you're surrounded by people who are nervous about this. The enemy would love for you to think that you're the only one. But in reality, he's just trying to keep us from being the church. Authentic, healthy relationships. This is something in the church we call fellowship. It's a church word, fellowship. It's way beyond a handshake. It goes, goes to next levels of trust and understanding and support. I want to share with you real quickly the three top enemies of authentic Christian fellowship. First one is this deceptions of self-reliance. Right? <laughs> You know, we live in the best country on the planet. No, no question about it. There's no, no doubt in my don't ever, ever read anything I say that would say anything differently. One of the negative results of our independence is our independence. One of the negative results of our independence is our independence gone wild to the place where we idolize self-reliance, right? Where it's like, Vlad, if you have to ask for help, you're not really a man. Right? I mean, there's this subtext. I know you're not that way, but there's this subtext that comes at us that says, figure it out. Figure it out. And it's self-reliance. And it's deceptive. It's, it's part of what keeps people from being saved in the first place. Because to be saved, to come into a relationship with God through his son Jesus, you have to admit, I can't do this. There is no way I can do this. And in, in so many ways, this is the nature of our walk with him. It's like, I'm depending on you, Lord. And now as part of the bride of Christ, as part of the body of Christ, I'm in relationship. You know, one of the things I've noticed about boots is try it. You can't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, it turns out. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm pulling. I'm getting nowhere. Now, if I want to get elevated, I have John come up here and pull on my bootstraps, right? Don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> that would just be weird. Weirder. You know, it's just self-reliance. It's like, come on, if you're, a, if, if you're a strong person, you won't need help. Man, we idolize people who are so accomplished. I was thinking about this. Let's think about a, 
cardiac surgeon. Wow. Right? Mm. You know, there's one person, a cardiac surgeon, no matter how skilled, cannot perform heart surgery on. Herself. And that day she needs to say, I need help. Second enemy of authentic Christian fellowship are phones and devices. Why do we clap but we don't do anything about it? Come on. How many of you like me? I know you've seen it. You've, you're at Applebee's and you look over, there's a family of four and they're all looking. <laughs> you know, we have this false sense of relationship, don't we, through social media and such. And we're isolating ourselves from the people around us. I think the biggest number one enemy is overscheduling. We're just too busy. And I think this comes from a, a fundamental desire for purpose. A little bit afraid to be alone with ourselves. We're a little bit afraid of downtime because we're not producing. We're a little bit afraid to be still. We're terrified of being bored. So we're amusing ourselves to death. Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. We can blame it on the phones, but at the end of the day, it's something internal. And you know, like so many other things in the Christian life, there will be ebb and flow to this relationship thing. It'll come and it'll go. And... Um, Circumstances change, our needs change. And we'll always be growing. It's one of those areas where I think we'll always be growing. You know, we've been celebrating what's happening among the pastors of Grove City. You know, that's all about relationship. Tuesday morning in an early prayer meeting with the pastors of Grove City this week. There's just such a love, such a dynamic of love and support. I've never seen it before. What does that show you? It shows you everybody's growing all the time. So don't condemn yourself if you're sitting here going, I, I don't have this going on right. Just be open to the move of the Holy Spirit. And consider what, what's being offered when you talk about being in the body of Christ. A couple of weeks ago, I showed you a, a slide, and it said, mine. Mine. And I was telling you that to be in Christ means to be his, to belong to him. You're his now. You are not your own. You now belong to him. Mine. You see a little two-year-old running around? Mine. Try to get that away, right? Try to get the remote out of the hand of a two-year-old who thinks it's theirs, right? Well, God's saying, he's looking at us. He's saying, mine. Not a two-year-old. Powerful living God. Mine, my church, my bride. Because in reality, listen carefully to this. God is saving his church. God is saving his bride. It's not as much about individuals as we think. He's saving the bride to himself. So it's so important to be in the body of Christ. 
two weeks ago when I put this slide up there and I opened it up for kind of anybody who had to, maybe was sensing a presence from the Lord or a word from the Lord, uh, somebody said that they noticed that on this word mine, in the center is the word in. In. There it is, in Christ, mine. And then somebody else noticed, and I was so surprised because it was a guy. <laughs> Notice that it's in me. Father, we pray your blessing. We invite your presence to come now and move among us. I've taught what I sensed you were calling me to teach, but I can't change hearts. I can't change minds, really. I can only just bring bring what I sense you calling me to bring and just depend fully on you to do the true work of your Holy Spirit in each of our lives. Let's just wait on the Lord a minute here. I feel like I'm supposed to ask you, are you in or out? Only you would know. No one can make, answer that for you. Are you in? Are you in Christ? Are you in the body? Or are you out? Come, Holy Spirit. I also feel like I'm supposed to ask, is any one of you in trouble? You know, there's a verse in the book of James that says, if it is, is any one of you in trouble, well, let him call the elders and have them pray. You know, you can, you can have trouble. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we'll have trouble, but there can be a season in your life that you would say, I'm in trouble. I'm surrounded by it. I'm, surra I'm surrounded in a condition of trouble. And I need to come out of that. In just a moment, I'm going to be uh, inviting prayer ministry people to come on up to the sides, and they'll be here to pray for you. If you have anything at all that you'd like to receive prayer for, if, you'd, uh, if, you, if that resonates with you, I'm out and I want to come in. Or I'm in trouble and I want to come out of my trouble and into Christ, then I really just strongly urge you to come up and these men and women who are just like you, who just know how to pray, would love to pray with you and just see what the Lord wants to do. Anything at all, if you have a situation in your life you're facing that's just bigger than you are and it would mean so much if somebody just pray, pray with you about it. Again, these people they're not special in any sense of the word other than that they've just followed Jesus and they know how to pray for you. And there's nothing that's too big for us to pray about and there's nothing that's too small for us to pray about. We invite you, Holy Spirit, now to convene ministry among us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, can we stand, please? Can we have some of the prayer ministry people go ahead and make their way over on the sides? And if you got a stirring going on, 
I strongly encourage you to come on up and they'll ask you, what are we praying about? 